This is the Delivery Space Podcast. Whether you're interested in software delivery, business change or transformation, we have some great content lined up for you. We launch into different areas of project delivery and bring you insights and experiences that you won't get from a book. Welcome, this is Sharon and Nisha and we're on to episode 17 where we'll be talking about effective leadership. Morning Sharon. Good morning Nisha, how are you? Very well, thank you. Now that I've got my tea, how are you? Really good. And uh, we've got a special guest with us today, Pete Brown. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Really good. (laughs) Excited to have you with us today. So before we kick off, I'm going to give Pete a bit of an intro so our guests know a bit more about him. So Pete has been a senior leader for over 25 years, working with global clients across retail, financial, hospitality, logistics, travel and construction on a vast array of operational and digital transformation programmes. Pete prides himself as being a professional disruptor and has built an impressive reputation in helping organisations reach optimal performance and growth ambitions. And uh, Pete and I have worked on and off throughout the years and with many different clients So when the topic of leadership came up, I naturally thought, let's get Pete on to discuss. So thank you for joining us this morning, Pete. Absolute pleasure. Really looking forward to the next sort of 10, 15 minutes. Good stuff. So I'm going to get straight in with our first question for you then, Pete. Um, What would you say are the characteristics and traits of what makes a good leader? I think that's a great question to to get going. And uh, I think from my perspective, there's probably three core areas, you know, and I think I'll do, I'll give you these in sort of a, a logical order as well. So for, for me, it's always starting with a, having a good moral compass, you know, leading is about taking people on a journey and bringing people with you. So you've got to make sure that your, you know, your moral compass is right. So you've got integrity, you, you, you're loyal and, and you've got some, you know, professional ethics in place and just of those, back, you know, foundations people will naturally start to sort of align their own values and culture to, to, to yours as well. I think secondly, it's, you know, basic core competencies. So you need to be energetic, enthusiastic. You know, you've got to have a little bit of charisma because, again, you're bringing people with you on, on a journey. You've got to energise people on, on delivering things and, and coming with you on, you know, some very challenging topics maybe. But also about, about decisiveness, you know, as a leader, you're there to make decisions, you know, so you've got to understand information and be very analytical to, to make good decisions and stand by those. But also be prepared to sort of take some risks as well. You know, you don't always know the facts and things, so you've got to be prepared to take risks and allow people to take risks as well. Uh, clearly, clear communication. So if you're giving instructions out and you're leading people, you need to, you know, be very clear on, on the direction of travel. Uh, but probably, you know, the the most sensible or the most, you know, the best core competence as a leader is about listening. You know, leadership is about listening. It isn't just about talking and, and being at the front. Uh, and then I think the probably the third uh, good trait is surround yourself with great diverse people. You know, the, the more diversity you bring into the team, the more different scars and war stories and experience you bring with people. And that's what you rely on when, when you're delivering into teams. 
you know, and, and then if you train yourself with great people, then you have the confidence to empower them to, to, to deliver as well and make their own decisions and make their own risks. So, you know, you need to be prepared to support their learning, uh, except that they may make mistakes or they may do something in a different way to you. And that's okay. So it's about having that self-confidence that, uh, you know, if you do surround yourself with great people, then you can deliver great things. And I think for me, it's it's the combination of those three competencies, which is all about true leadership, which is about bringing a team of people onto a journey to get a job done. Oh, fantastic. And I really like that you started out with talking about the integrity and the moral compass, because I think particularly kind of like post-pandemic, people have really reflected on that, haven't they, in terms of what are the key traits that they want from their leaders and integrity we can see is, is so important um people don't want to work with people who are dishonest so yeah i, I think that's definitely a, a key trait for me as well so thank you pete people work for people you know and yeah if you look at a lot of the you know the academic studies around there you know the core reason why people leave organizations isn't about the product it's not necessarily always about promotion it's about the people you work with and it's about poor leadership it's that's one of the top reasons why people leave organizations so you know if you can turn that around and you can keep people entertained and you can keep people challenging and you give them a purpose to get up in the morning that's what leadership's about indeed that's so yeah and it's so refreshing to hear you say that uh, Pete because I think these are these are traits that people can take for granted um, when they are around somehow a, a team that you are leading is doing so well and they're thriving there's often a great leader that's behind them that's allowing that to happen or that's putting measures in place to make that happen absolutely what are yeah right um what are some of the different styles of leadership Pete and what what different scenarios um have you spotted where they're effective yeah it's, it's an interesting question that because so I think if you have a sort of, again, you look at some of the academic studies uh, around there, you know, typically the academics are always saying there's somewhere between sort of six and 10 classic leadership styles. You know, so you would, you know, if you are, for example, innovating and, or doing workshops, then clearly you want to have a participative leadership style because you want to bring people in and, and get their ideas and, and nurture you know, innovation and, and, and different ways of thinking. So transformational leadership is a key there. But then if you are running, for example, a, a transactional team, then clearly there's a very different type of transactional leadership style from, uh, you know, if, it, if it's all about number crunching and, and mm. throughput, you know, it's all about the numbers, uh, uh, you know, and the velocity of, of, of throughput of change. Equally, if you're, you know, running large teams, clearly you need to have a, a delegative, you know, delegation ability, you know, because clearly one person can't can't do everything, you know. Uh, so again, if you're running, you know, young teams, bringing young people in, then you need to have a coaching leadership style. Or if you're running massive transformational change, you need to have a a strategic leadership style. So you know, there's lots of different styles out there, but I think the art of leadership is having the ability to adopt any of those styles to the situation you're in mm. and as i said you know you know think about some of the big transformation programs we've all been involved in you go through the natural sort of curve of 
storming, norming, into transformational, challenging the status quo. And it's all about sort of changing the hats depending on where you are at that particular time and what type of client you're working for, what type of team you're working for. So for me, it's about, you know, true leadership is understanding there's lots of different styles, but knowing which one to adopt depending on the exact moment in time. And those are people you're working with. What is the job at hand? What type of debates do you need to be having? Do you need to be making quick decisions? Do you need to be workshopping it out? You know, it's looking at all those different things is how you adopt your style. Yeah, and this comes with experience, right? Mm. So, you know, leaders need to be putting themselves out there to work on different types of projects and programs so that they, they and, and products as well, so that they can actually see themselves adopting these, practice these different um, approaches to leadership. And I guess also, it depends on the maturity of the organization and the teams that you're involved in, in terms of the styles that you use too. Yeah, and I think you know, what, what, what we tend to see is particularly people who are new to sort of leadership or managerial type, uh, you know, skills or, or responsibilities, I should say. Typically, the first default position everybody goes to is sort of more autocratic leadership mm. stuff. You know, I'm a leader, everything's done my way, you do it my way, I'm making all the decisions and everything else. And what you generally see is most leaders learn through that. Yeah. And then in years to come, they start to realise that that isn't really leadership. And I know certainly on my own leadership story, if I look back to where I started 25, 30 years ago, you know, I still get embarrassed now with what my leadership style was. And I was absolutely dreadful, you know, but it's only through probably those experiences of making those mistakes and, you know, taking time to perhaps reflect back on who was I, how did I used to work, what went well, what didn't go well, but then start to think about, well, who who are my peer group around me and what do they how do they do their work how what styles mm. do they adopt is how is how you learn but as i say i think most most people will start off with you know i'm now a leader i've got a nice title everything's going to be my way and then over time they'll start to realize that that's not the way to go forward and it's having like that it. um self awareness isn't it mm. to self evaluate <laughs> get feedback as well and and take uh take the learnings on board and realize that one approach might not work in every scenario actually and we do need to adapt and and adjust to the environment that we're in and and continue to learn and grow in that role as well i think that's a great point though sharon around sort of self-awareness and again you know just because you you're a leader or you, you you're somewhere quite high in a hierarchy it doesn't mean you stop learning actually i think it's quite opposite you should be learning absolutely more and putting more effort into that yeah. more effort into self-awareness because you've got more influence on people yes. in an organization you know what again what you tend to find is that when people start to rise up the hierarchy into leadership roles they kind of neglect that a little bit mm. you know and, and certainly you know a little tip from you know pre-pandemic days when we all used to go in the office and then drive home is you know I always used to use that car journey on the way home to reflect on the day you know what could I have done better what am I going to do different tomorrow you know and that's it's probably one of the challenges now with remote working and home working you don't naturally have that little bit of free thinking time just Mm -hmm. to you know to give that little bit of self-awareness back into yourself and what you've done on that day yeah I agree 
And that leads nicely into the next question where we're talking about um, leaders and how they can empower the team to become leaders in their own right. Because, you know, naturally we see that the, the team want to develop their skills also. And, you know, for myself, some of the best leaders do empower the team. So what tips have you got for us on that, Pete? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's another great question. And, uh, you know, I remember doing a, a, a bit of a, a keynote a couple of months ago for, for, for one of our clients. And, you know, I started off by saying, you know, if, if you think that leadership is about people management, if you think about leadership as where you sit in the hierarchy or your job title or your pay, then you're not a leader because leader, leadership is not about those things. You know, my personal view is that everybody in an organisation is a leader. You know, doesn't matter what job you are, whether you are a receptionist, whether you are a software developer, whether you're a, a chief exec, you are all leaders. And what do I mean by that? Well, everybody's got an influence on everybody around them. So by nature of that, you are leading because that's what leadership is about. It's about influence in a scenario. It's about influence in a situation. And it's about changing people's minds and getting people to work together. So if you're part of a team, you're a leader because everyone's got influence on everybody else. And when you start thinking like that, then you start thinking about natural things like team membership. You know, how do I influence the team? I'm part of a team. You know what I mean? And everyone else is part of the team and everyone else has got, you know, just as much right to give their opinion or give their advice. So for me, leadership, it's about mindset. It's about behavior. It's about creating a culture and it's about psychology. You know, if you if you only think about leadership is it's about telling people what to do or instructing what to people do, you're not a leader at all. You know, you really need to go and rethink about what you're doing. Think about the culture you're creating as an environment. You know, what do people want to go do when they go to work? Well, they want to enjoy themselves. They want to be challenged creatively, you know, and intellectually. They want to be able to afford to take risks because that's how you innovate. So you need to create a culture where people feel safe to do that but they're also enjoying do that and they're also enjoying challenging each other to do that that's that's what i mean by leadership so i think when you talk about becoming a leader yes you have got to obviously do people management and, and a lot of the bureaucracy around people management but you know if you start to think about it's all about the journey it's all about bringing people with you it's all about that culture it's all about the ecosystem of the environment people are working in then you'll go on the right journey and then very quickly you'll become a very effective leader which is all about having influence and being able to change the state the status quo which you're, you're working at the moment and that oh, oh, go sorry, ahead nisha i was i was going to say that i really liked the um the 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 way that you touched on psychological safety there mm. uh, and the fact that leaders need to understand they don't need to have all the answers. They don't. They, you know, as long as they have fostered a really good open environment where people do feel safe to raise their concerns, to raise their voices and say, perhaps a few things don't feel right here. What can we do to improve certain things, to work towards better solutions, better processes? Um, I think that's really important. Mm. Go for it, Sharon. What were you going to say? 
Exactly that. Uh, <laughs> I was okay. just going to say that we've yeah. often spoken, haven't we, uh, on the podcast yeah. about culture, psychological safety, creating that dynamic where the team do feel like they can voice their opinion. And, yes. you know, from personal experience, I just think that's when you get the best out of your team, when they feel like I can, you know, raise my concern yeah. without being yeah. immediately shot down or told, yeah. you know, that you're wrong. So I think the leaders that empower the team to do that are the ones, you know, from my perspective, that have been the most effective. I think uh, it's interesting when you you talk a little bit about, you know, the fear uh, there, you know, and, uh, you know, one of the first things I I generally talk about when when we are building new teams, you know, because particularly in sort of the project space, you're always building a new team at the start of the project. You know, one of the first things I always say is there is no such thing as bad news. Mm. It's just news. And there's a slight psychology thing about that, because if you take away the word bad, you take away the word and, and the you know, the emotions of fear. Mm. And if you say to people, it's not about bad news, it's just about news, then all of a sudden people have the confidence to raise risks and issues and things aren't going well. And they raise it far quicker than they sat on it thinking, well, how do I, where do I go with this? How do I message it? Because I know I'm going to get you know, told off or I'm going to get criticised or anything else. So again, when you, as a leader, it's about taking those fear barriers away where mm-hmm. people can openly communicate, openly engage without fear of retribution because something's gone wrong. So as a leader, you need to accept things go wrong. That's why there's a whole industry around this kind of stuff, right? This, that's why there is <laughs> leaders. That's why there are projects. That's why there are these cultures there. It's because things go wrong. And I think if you remove that fear barrier out, then you'll find that communication is, is far more effective, far more timely, which means you can be more responsive. And actually, mm. nine times out of ten, because you can do that, you can actually solve the problem before it comes a real issue. Agree. Yeah, totally agree. And again, I have been in some of those environments where people are so scared to mm. raise things. And you think it shouldn't be the case, should it? Because as you've said... No. Just take the emotion out of it. It is just news. Stuff yeah. happens because this is the real world, right? Well, <laughs> Not yeah. everything goes to plan. Otherwise, none of us would be here. So, yeah. <laughs> how you respond. That's, that's yeah. the measure is how you respond yeah. to those things. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think as leaders, you need to be cognizant of the fact that when you go into an environment, if people are afraid to speak up or if you're looking at logs with issues raised at risk raised that are long-standing you Mm. know that there's poor psychological safety there some that is a good marker for leaders to understand when they're entering these environments if people are scared to speak up those are clear indicators Mm. that people are and there's a reason why but on the flip side people are so um teams vibe so differently when there is that psychological safety you can see them getting through their hurdles you can see a direct communication between the teams actually doing the work and leadership as well and I saw a lot of that during the pandemic so Pete like what were your experiences of leadership during that period what impact do you think the pandemic played on leadership yeah it's, it's been a, it's been a really challenging time actually on, on on that and I think I think sort of what I've seen is there's kind of two sides you've got organizations and people who are always been used to working with remote teams. So, you know, cross-country teams, you know, particularly with software development and everything else. And they've just carried on because that's just always been the norm, you know. Yeah. 
but but for more sort of local organizations with local teams that they've really found it challenging of you know where people working from the homes or remote sites is how do you create that sort of natural culture of conversation and and particularly you know as leaders where you want to drive innovation most innovation comes by a spark of a moment right it's mm-hmm. a, it's just passing the water cooler or two people looking at the notice board in the or two people having a sandwich in the kitchen you know start talking and all of a sudden innovation creates itself so you know the challenge through sort of the pandemic years with leaders is how do you create that when everybody's working in in isolation of each other you know when we've worked with organizations which do a weekly quiz just to get people talking again you know, or they have an open Zoom channel for the day where people can just drop in. So I think that's been an absolute challenge. And I think the next challenge is particularly around nurturing, you know, young people, you know, people who are perhaps coming out of university or out of school into their first professional career. How do they learn how to be a professional? Well, you learn how to be a professional by watching other professionals. Well, that's really difficult when all you can see is just a face through a screen. You're not seeing all the soft behaviours, you know, the, those slight little movements of hands or how you engaging people in and, you know, the side conversations and things like that. So, so for me, I think the big challenge on leadership over the last certainly two years is how do you drive innovation and how do you incubate new talent? Hmm. Uh, and I think people have had to be very, find very creative ways to to try and forge a new natural way of doing that uh so yeah so i think that's that's probably been the biggest challenge is how do you keep that team spirit going uh you know how do you uh get the energy through a camera you know because you'll find most people as we all do we probably spend six hours on zoom or teams a day at the moment and everybody's just talking like robots looking through a screen so again, you know, articulating your conversations, even probably more so by being a little bit more energetic on a camera, more so than probably you would do if you was actually physically sat with somebody. But I think where where we are now, the challenge for leadership is, you know, we've just spent the last two two or two years or so working from home, working remotely. Everybody's got used to a new lifestyle. Right. That stigma of working from home, particularly on a Friday, is now gone because people realise that you can actually be really effective working from home because you can cut out a lot of the noise which happens around you and the, you know, people just dropping by every two minutes, a bit like a doctor's surgery. You know, I'm desperate trying to get this report done and there's somebody coming by all the while. You know, you can cut that thing out. So I think the challenge with leadership at the moment is, is how do you start to encourage people to go, come back into the office and perhaps change their their lifestyle again to be a little bit more hybrid of mm-hmm. pre-pandemic, everything working in office, during pandemic, everybody working from home, you know, finding a hybrid model now where there is a ability to work from home, there's ability to come into the office how do you do that and and i think as leaders it's about giving them a reason why you need to do it and the reason isn't we want you back at your desk nine till five no the reason why we would like you to come back is we've got to respark innovation we've mm. got to nurture new talent 
right we've got to pick up all of these things which we've potentially put on pause through the pandemic we've got to restart projects we've got to restart change we've got to become more efficient we've got to find different ways of working where there's always somebody going to be outside of the office so how do we drive new ways of collaboration so i think i think that's probably the challenge where we are now and I, th- I think Sharon and I, we meet up, like she must tell you, uh, you know, during the week at the end of the day. And once we've been on Zoom all day, we are shattered. Mm. And I remember the excitement on Sharon's face when she had to go in to the office <laughs> for work on her programme. Um, and and there, was, there was excitement because she could meet people, she mm. could speak to people. And likewise... When I went into the office, I travelled into London for meetings and things like that with clients. It was just so nice to be around a table and having conversations. Some work, some non-work conversations and catching up with people who you've met um, once or twice, maybe, um, in person. And others who you've never met in person, yet you've been working on the same programme. So it's it's. I do agree with you that there has to be... Um, a, a nice balance sort between working from home because I agree you can get a lot of work done from mm. home and if you work on it and leaders instill the right type of um, uh, the right type of ethos and the right type of atmosphere within the teams then you can actually have a really good way of communicating um, mm. on Zoom and and still keep that that team spirit up but there is no substitute for meeting in person and hashing ideas out and talking through ideas as well. Um, you know, just to, to make sure that you get that, that face-to-face feeling mm. of communication. Um, I, don't, I don't think there is any, any real substitute for that. And I've enjoyed it. Boy, yeah. have I enjoyed going back. <laughs> I mean, imagine if you, you, you know, you, 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 know, you just started working for a new organisation at the start of the yeah. pandemic. You probably worked for the organisation for two years without even going into the office. Yes. So how do you understand what the heartbeat or the culture of that organisation is? Yeah. You, but you just can't. And, no. you know, I remember, you know, uh, going back to the example you just gave with, with Sharon going in the office there, you know, with, with, to, to one of our joint clients. And, yeah. uh, you know, it was at the, the sharp end of a project delivery, you know, a week or two before before go live. You know, and as you'd always expect before go live, there's some teething issues which you need to, to overcome. You know, um, we we came in. We brought the the software vendors into into the room as well, and the level of energy in that room I've not seen that even pre pandemic, and I think it's because if you've gone through this this so long of working on your own, just by everybody walking to that room, the energy level went from here to here just by the presence. Yeah, and through that week where we was all in the in the room together. Honestly, it felt like there was no issue which we couldn't solve. It didn't matter what came our way. You knew that you could you could solve it and you got all the people around you to do it. And it's probably one of the best weeks I've had in many of here just yeah. because the spark from everybody was just so incredible. They were just so happy to have us there, like a physical person there to speak to. And like Pete said, even if you couldn't, saw something straight away I think they were just happy that they could communicate instantly which you know you don't always get remotely do you so that there's definitely a a need to still see people you know face to face 
And I do particularly sympathise with, like we've said, people who are new in their careers, because I think all of us, we've, we've got that history and experience of, you know, being around people when we first started in our careers and having that learning experience. But if you think if you had to do that remotely, that's a really difficult ask, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think so. Yeah. And what fun we had as well. You know, that's I know. Yeah, I think everybody <laughs> walked out so motivated from from that. You know, the buzz is still going on now months afterwards. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. Agreed. So Pete, for people who want to develop their leadership skills then, I'm sure you've picked up loads of tools and tapped into different resources over the years. Can you share any of those with us? Oh blimey! Uh, I think I think first of all, you know, my, my again, my personal view is leadership isn't something you can teach. I I personally believe it's a natural ability, right? And not everybody can lead. So I think you know a little bit of thinking of, you know, do I have that natural ability to be able to create energy for for myself and create energy for others? But be you know, but question yourself of well, why do I want to be a leader? What type of person do I want to be? What type of leader do I want to be? You know, and yes, you can go on management training courses and yes, you can go on leadership courses. But, you know, for me, the way you you fine tune your natural leadership ability is by doing uh, mm. and by pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and challenge yourself. But then take that reflection all the while of what do, did I do? What did I say? What was the reaction of the person or the people I've been around? Could I have done something slightly different? But I think as well, you could probably, you know, very easily look around and find, well, what type of person do I aspire to be? You know, so you could look around, you know, lead global leaders, you know, so you've got, you know, political leaders, you've got technical, you know, technology type leaders, you've got entrepreneur leaders, you know, start to think about, well, you know, do I want to be one of those top, which one of those type of people would I like to, to be? And I'm not saying about become the next Elon Musk or the next Donald Trump is about, well, what's the best traits I like about those types of people Then mash them together to be saying, well, that's the kind of person I want to be, you know, because leadership's a bit like parenthood, isn't it? At the end of the day, you know, when, when you have kids, the first thing you think about is, well, how was I parented? Well, which bits did I like, you know, from my parents and which bits I didn't? Well, I'm going to change the bits I didn't like of how I was parented, but I'll, you know, continue to grow the bits which I did like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's drawing down on, on those. Then, yes, you can go and, you know, there's some fantastic literature out there of great examples of where leadership has gone well or leadership hasn't gone well. So, you know, if you like reading you know, the Phoenix Project is always a great book to, to, to read. Or uh, The Chimp Paradox is a great psychology book to read. Or, you know, Thoughtfully Ruthless is a really, really great book to read because it's all about taking waste out of leadership and waste out of decision-making. So there's lots of books you can read. If you like watching telly, you know, my go-to of, of uh, my leadership style is always looking at you know, great leaders from the uh, the armed forces. Mm. So, you know, the more modern uh, war movies like Band of Brothers or Saving Private Ryan, okay, there is great examples of what leadership is. 
in those films. You know, particularly uh, the Band of Brothers, which is based on you know, the 101st Airborne Division. You know, it's a true story. Yes, it's been dramatised a little bit for Hollywood, how these things do, but it's a true story about real people. And my personal aspiration of being a leader is all about, you know, you know, trying to strive to be half the man Major Dick Winters was, who was the Major of the 101st Airborne Division. So again, you try and find somebody you think, that's who I'd aspire to be like. And then you start to learn about them, you know, just to read their biographies or if there's a movie made from them, look at the movie. You know, if they are alive today, you know, follow them on, on LinkedIn, Twitter and, you know, find what professional publications they're in. And then you can start to see all the different levels of characteristics of that person. So for me, it isn't about get yourself on a training course. No, it's not. It's about pushing yourself to be that person. Find a number of people you could aspire to be. Take the best elements which you can most reflect with and, and you can align yourself with. And then set yourself those goals and challenges on a daily, weekly, monthly basis of how can I demonstrate that to, you know, those traits to other people. Mm. I think a bit that's... random there, but, uh, you know, I no, thought I'd be a little bit random with you guys. I think that's great because we have got so much access to information now, haven't we? And Nisha and I always say a lot of the learning that we've had hasn't come through sitting in a classroom, classroom being on a training course. It's come through, like you said, putting yourself in those scenarios, real life learning or learning via other people. So I think that is a great thing for people to remember that, you know, we've got LinkedIn, we've got so many platforms. You can yeah. reach out to some of the people where they've got some of the, the qualities and traits that you would like to also develop and see how they've done it. Um, I think that is a, a great way to learn. But again, you know, 70% of the way you develop and learn is by doing. Mm, yeah. So, you know, part of your career journey, you know, reflect where you are today. Does the company, the culture, the environment allow me to do that 70% of development and learning? Does it allow me to, to take risks? Does it support me when I make the wrong decision or do something not quite effective? You know, if you've got that culture, then... Well, it's now on you, isn't it, to go and invest into that culture and do something about it. You know, don't wait around for everybody else to, to push you. You've got to have that self-discipline and, and self-drive to become that person. Yeah, and you get out of it what you put in. So That's I right. love the, the fact that you called out those signals, those signs of a really good thriving culture, because I think that's what people need to look out for. If they're looking for their next role, they're looking for their next leadership move. Those are the real things that people need to look out for as an environment for them to thrive. As a leader, Pete, how do you foster diverse thinking to deliver your programs? Uh, well, I'll probably I'll probably go to 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 where I started uh, the the conversation. First of mm. all, is surround yourself with great people. Mm. You know, don't don't surround yourself with a mirrored version of yourself. Because yeah. that's not diversity, you know. That's not inclusion. That that's not about leveraging different experiences and you know and and things like that. So personally, what what I what I do is, you know, surround yourself with a a mixed bunch of, of people and start to think about who are they as individuals and who are they as people and what they, can they offer up, 
And, you know, Sharon mentioned earlier on, you don't need to know everything. Well, I pride myself on not knowing everything, you know, and why should I know everything? That's why I I have great people around me. And if I think about some of the the, the more recent, you know, transformational programs, uh, you know, I've been involved in, I'm currently involved in a a huge CRM rollout, never, ever logged into Salesforce. Does it stop me from from leading the transformation program to deploy Salesforce into an organization? No, it doesn't, because I've got an army of people around me who know it inside and out. What I know is I know kind of the journey which we need to go on. And what I do is then bring people together and get them naturally talking and, and innovating together. So again, but you can only do that by understanding who you are. So a lot of self-awareness about what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses. You need to know what you know, but more importantly, you need to know what you don't know. And don't mm-hmm. pretend that you know everything. So know what you don't know. Then make sure that when you're building teams, you're building those people which give you that fully rounded capability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably the, the last one for me is, is, and I mentioned it earlier on, is about listening. Do less talking as a leader and do more listening because listening is about inclusion. Mm-hmm. Listening is about getting other people involved. It's about getting other people empowered to contribute. So as a leader, if you're doing all the talking, no one else is contributing. So, you know, there's an old saying, isn't it? The reason why you've got two, two ears and one mouth is you just do twice as much as this and one of that. So, so again, you know, what you should do as a leader is when you talk, it isn't about talking to be heard. It's about talking to encourage others to contribute. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think if you're thinking about sort of, you know, fostering diverse thinking, well, if you don't allow people to contribute, you're not going to allow people to think. If you don't allow people to talk, you don't allow people to think. If you don't allow people to to take risks and to, to feel comfortable in taking risk and feel comfortable in making mistakes, then they won't think. So it's all those things I think we've said over that sort of last 10, 15 minutes is creating that environment where people can be true to themselves. They can be who they really are as people not just a professional person but who they really are then you will foster thinking love that that's a great oh sound bite. Just drop the mic moment with you there <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's lovely i love that and and also like an, another sound bite a really good sound bite is listening is inclusion it's what you've just said pete mm-hmm. so you listen to those people who are in your team you can pick up their strengths their capabilities and make sure that you invite them to shine in those areas. So that's mm. what it's about, right? You're inviting them to get involved with the problem solving, to really make the most of their strengths, and they should feel that from you as a leader. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, the thing is, when, when you you know talk with lots of organisations around diversity and inclusion, well, what's the natural thing you go to? Well, it's it's you know it could be uh, skin colour, it could be religion, it could be sex it could be you know all those usual standard easy things to think about when you think about Mm -hmm. those things what people generally don't think about is well inclusion isn't just about you know having different demographic or people within your organization it's about how you get the best out of them and how do they feel like they're getting the best out that's inclusion it's asking for people's opinions it's asking you know it's taking their ideas even if it's not the most optimal idea or it's the most cost-effective idea 
give them the, that idea that next time they may think, well, last time I gave an idea and they empowered on How can I do something a little bit better next time? Right. How do I learn to be better? That's inclusion. Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, it's been an amazing session. I've loved it. And I know I could talk with you guys for so much longer <laughs> on this. Um, but we have to bring things to a close. What are your key takeaways? Pete, go for it. All my key takeaways. So on, on leadership, uh, it's it's about listening. Mm. Okay. It's about uh, allowing people to have a voice and an opinion. It's about recognising your own self-awareness and what your capabilities are. But when you when you want to be a leader, celebrate everybody else's success around you. Don't just celebrate your own success. You only can be a leader if you've got people around you. People will only want to be around you if you're a great leader. I'll finish on that. Like it. Sharon, what about you? Oh, so I think for me, um, it's remembering that there are many different ways to progress your leadership qualities. And what we've discussed is that a lot of the learning comes by doing. So it's creating those environments and scenarios where you can actually start to practice. And, you know, a lot of this doesn't necessarily come from being in a classroom on a training course. We've discussed that you can get out there and use various platforms for free and reach out to people who may have some of those qualities that you would also like to build upon. And yeah, give it a go in in the real world, in in practice. And that's how you really develop your leadership skills. How about you, Nisha? Oh, so much. I don't really think I can add to what the both of you have said. The one thing that sticks out to me are um, the the listening points, the points on listening and the fact that listening to your team is an, is part of inclusivity, um, is actually part of inviting diverse thoughts to the table, which is what you need to be doing as a leader. I, I love the fact that, Pete, you mentioned real-life examples as well to look for those within your environment. And we're not encouraging people to leave their roles if they're not happy within their environments. But when you when you mentioned the, the, the kind of telltale signs of um, a great culture, a culture that's conducive to real inclusive leadership, a real diverse thinking, those are the things that people need to look out for. So um, I hope that has been of help to our listeners i'm sure it will have been and it's been a really frank discussion so thank you pete well thank you very much for the opportunity wish you all the very best thank you so much for joining us today pete you've been brilliant if people want to reach out uh, to you connect with your work with you how can they do that which platforms are you on so yeah you're always best to come and find me on on linkedin uh, so it's, it's pete brown at uh, easy manage limited so come and find me and always happy to engage and uh, and interfere with people's lives so drop me a call if you if you want to have a chat <laughs> brilliant thank you so much to everybody for watching and listening look out for our next videos and as always please like follow and subscribe 